Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Following a disappointing 35-31 loss to Arkansas State to open the 2020 football season, Kansas State took a bye week and now plunges headfirst into its Big 12 schedule by traveling to Norman, Oklahoma to face the number three Sooners, which are 1-0 on the season after a cupcake game to open up against Missouri State. The game Saturday inside Memorial Stadium will kick off at 11 a.m. and will be shown nationally on Fox with Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, and Jenny Taft on the call. And, of course, the game can be heard across the 39th station K-State Sports Network with Wyatt Thompson on play-by-play. That's right, K-State did lose 35-31 on a last-minute drive to Arkansas State, and boy, it was disappointing. But did it set a tone for the entire season, or is that game just an anomaly that was played in the midst of a pandemic that really doesn't mean much? Well, the games now will start to mean a lot more as the Wildcats turn their attention to the nine-game Big 12 conference schedule that will decide the fate of their season. Welcome to the PowerCat pregame podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I am Go PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and you're on the ride for the most in-depth K-State football preview you will find. In a little bit, I'll be bringing in Kevin Keatsman of Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, a podcast out of the Kansas City area that is absolutely taken off on fire. And Keats, of course, is a fellow K-State graduate, a radio legend in Kansas City, and he's joining me all season long on the Fitz and Keats Powercat pregame show. But we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company and the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. Well, there's a lot of talk about whether or not Kansas State will play this game. The numbers have piled up in terms of not just COVID positives, but contact tracing exposures. Do people have it? Well, they don't really know, but they are quarantined until we know better. And that also means no football. So the numbers are thin for K-State at some positions. Chris Kleiman mentioned earlier this week they were down to their final player before having to declare a no contest against Arkansas State. 
but they ended up having enough players at that position because everyone stayed healthy. And this week, he says, they're down to another position group that is looking at the possible loss of another player, meaning the Wildcats aren't good to go against Oklahoma. We will see how that all plays out as this week progresses. But as we tape this, it is game on. And now let's bring in Kevin Keatsman. And Keats, we're going to start talking about a game here that may or may not take place. And we have a schedule, and we're going to go through, just like a football coach. We're going to do everything all week long and then just see what happens right before kickoff. Man, man I just did some radio here on Wednesday with Oklahoma City, and I put it at 75% no that we'll actually have this game. But by the time people are hearing this, we might know better because these Wednesday results will be back. Hopefully we'll know something. And um, K-State is teetering on the brink of not meeting the thresholds. But, Keats, that's just the way the season goes. you got to do next man up. Um, but for Kansas State, it really seems like it's the – quarantines the the cautionary players that they might have been around the roommate's girlfriend who tested positive so you got to sit out two weeks Uh, i'm not uh, a doctor nor do i understand viruses but i think they're being overly cautious at times i'm just beginning to wonder if the contact tracing isn't too thorough and then after a, a certain period if you're not showing signs come on man let's get get them back on the field uh, study, a, a report came out this week from an author named Andrew Boston. I don't know if you've seen this. It's Boston. It's with an M, not like the city, Boston. Andrew Boston, that there have been across colleges across America, there have now been 40,000 positive tests of college students. That includes athletes, and it includes the students. There have been zero deaths and two hospitalizations out of 40,000 nationwide on college campuses. So are they overdoing it? Of course they're overdoing it. What I think is happening Listen, I think Kansas State is a great steward of the Big 12. I think they completely and and utterly value the television contracts that they have and the money they receive more than Texas or Oklahoma or schools like that. I believe it's very important to them to do the right thing. They were very close to not playing last week, but they did. They went on national TV in the big window that makes all the money for Fox and lost to Arkansas State for anyone to see. They're taking it on the chin this year. They're... you know, I was hopeful for this week. I thought the Cats maybe this year would have a chance against Oklahoma again after beating them last year. I give them almost no chance if they play the game on Saturday. I think they're going down there as kind of a sacrificial lamp, but as a steward of the Big 12 to do what is supposed to be done. I think Kansas State is taking COVID to an extreme that other football programs or athletic departments are not. I simply don't trust other schools. I don't trust Alabama and Oklahoma and Notre Dame or whomever to do the things that Kansas State is doing. Is it extreme? Absolutely. You can tell me I'm wrong, Fitz, but I think what they've done here is Gene Taylor and, and the president of the university went to the football coach and said, listen, let's do right by the parents. Let's do right by all the players. Let's take every single precaution in the world. And if we go 0-10, we go 0-10. You're our coach. You're getting paid. Everything is good here. We're going to come back next year and kick some butt. But let's just make sure we go on the recruiting trail and tell every parent and every player and everybody involved, we did all the right things to protect your kids. We lost a bunch of football games, but so be it. I kind of feel like they're treating this like an NFL team treats the preseason. I I agree. That's the perfect analogy. I agree exactly. I think that's what they're doing. Um, And, you know, Chris Kleiman, to his credit, isn't looking for an out. He's not looking to not play. He's just staring at the the numbers and, and realizing they might be nearing a threshold that the Big 12 has set for not competing 
But he's been very clear. We want to play. We have, we have to do it with third stringers, but they meet the criteria, then we're going to go play. And that fits exactly what you're saying. Bottom line is I think Arkansas State, hopefully unintentionally, played some guys that had the virus and were positive because they tested positive on Sunday. You don't get it on Saturday in incubation periods, at least 48 hours apparently. Uh, so I think some guys played positive. That might have happened to them against Memphis because they had some guys out. But K-State's numbers were really low that week, and they they don't seem to be much different right now. This is just uh, – Keats, it sucks we got to talk about this stuff, but that's the world in which we live right now, and everyone's being so scared of everything. Um, I don't feel good about the rest of football season. I don't see how, under these standards, college players are going to be able to stay on the field because – um, they're just around too much. The NFL, they can go home and be careful, and the wife and kids can do nothing but stay at home and school at home, and um, and the players can can stay relatively healthy. But then again, I'm curious that there's been no no asymptomatic players in the NFL that I know of, and I find that curious. I, I, I I'm beginning to wonder about asymptomatic as an actual thing, but you know, I'm again, I'm not a doctor. We'll see how this plays out for Kansas State going to Oklahoma. Let's talk about the game on the field. Spencer Rattler, good. That's all I got to say about him. He's good. He makes some really ridiculous throws, and they get really easy when you're going against Missouri State. Bless their hearts. But uh, the kid's got a real upside, and I'm intrigued to see him play. I think everybody is, um, and I think we're all intrigued to see him get through Oklahoma and get to the NFL and move on, but <laughs> that's going to be a while. Unfortunately, that's going to be a while. Look, there's still the, the matter of coaching here, and we're talking about a young player without much game day experience against some sort of uh, uh, choreographed or well-coached defense. Can Kansas State do that? Well, it didn't look like that against Arkansas State. I mean, they lost all their safeties. They were running third stringers out there that clearly didn't know the assignment that number nine over there, Adams, needs to be doubled up and a safety's got to shade him and go with him wherever he goes. So Kansas State made some fundamental defensive mistakes in that game, and you chalk that up to lack of depth and inexperience on the field. Again, I don't know who's playing Saturday, if they're playing, but I'd like to think that Chris Kleiman and his staff would be able to throw some things at a young quarterback that could at times confuse him. I don't think you're going to stop Oklahoma in any way but you might be able to take the ball away two or three times with a young quarterback. I think that needs to be the game plan. I don't think that's what Chris Kleiman traditionally has done with his football teams. It's generally been about scheming. We're going to stop you in some way. We're going to confuse you. We're going to do this. I think in, in this case, it's not a play in and play out, um, uh, one play after another where you could confuse Oklahoma. It's maybe every third or fourth play. You show him something he hasn't seen, and a blitz makes him fumble. Or you know, a safety crosses over that he doesn't think is going to move and picks one off. I really think it's going to have to be a big play kind of defense to be effective against Oklahoma. I agree. Um, And they were very basic against Arkansas State to a fault. They didn't want to show much. And maybe they couldn't do much with all the substitutes in um, and the lack of practice. But they're going to have to be uh, more dynamic defensively against this Oklahoma team. And honestly, Wyatt Hubert's got to be better. I mean, he he was okay against Arkansas State, but that last drive when they really needed that defensive end to make the big play that we've seen the Chiefs come up with throughout uh, the last year or two, uh, they just he, there was nothing there. There was nothing there, and there was no pass rush to help that secondary. The good news is we're hearing Wayne Jones will probably be back at safety, that it was more scare than anything. He went through the concussion protocol. Luckily, they had the week off, and he came out of it. So 
having him back is huge because I I mean, I, I don't mean to be mean, but Ryan Hennington uh, playing, it, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Um, he's not ready, and he was thrown into a situation because Jonathan Alexander sat out, and then Jerron McPherson, I think, was out for contact tracing in that game, and I think he will be back also. So getting bodies back is good. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Keats, the offensive line kind of is what it is. They might get someone back. Hopefully they'll get Noah Johnson back at center. But they're just not good, and it really looked like a group of guys who hadn't practiced together very much and hadn't had much experience, and they kind of stunk against Arkansas State. They did, and, and a couple of things that I didn't like against Arkansas State is every time Kansas State would complete a pass for a first down, whether it's five yards downfield, 15, they had some maybe 17 in, in the teens, 18 yards downfield, they'd get a first down, and I'm telling you, every time, every single snap of that game when they completed a pass, they handed the ball off and ran between the tackles on the next play and created second and nine. Wow. And it, you just you just can't. It has to be more creative than that. I mean, as the game went on, you just went, okay, we know what they're doing here. We know what they're doing here. They just kept creating bad situations. What I would say in the passing game, and, and look, I think he was probably trying to tell his offensive line, man up, let's get tough, let's show we can run. I understand they're treating it like a preseason game. Let's go do that. But when it wasn't working, he changed at the end of the game when they had to score. I don't know how many people noticed. They started running the ball wide, and they ran it effectively on the edges. That's sort of taking your offensive line out of it. Why not do that in the passing game this week? I mean, Skylar Thompson is, you know, he's not, he's not the most athletic guy in the world, but he's certainly mobile and can move around. I'd move the pocket. He doesn't need a lot of protection. If you get your quarterback moving around a little bit, he can throw on the run. He can stand in the pocket or throw on the run. The team to watch is, uh, is the Rams in the NFL. Jared Goff is not a great pocket passer. They learned that pretty quickly. They're like, okay, the guy's good, but he's better when he's moving and throwing on the run and can see the field better. They move on every pass play. The Rams move him out right or left. And they do it all the time. And I really think Kansas state's probably gonna have to go to that this year with this offensive line. I just don't see how they're ever going to provide a clean pocket in big 12 play. Well, the good news is they had two offensive players really step up and you can see that they're going to be special this year. And both of those guys fits into exactly what you're saying. The first being running back Deuce Vaughn, the true freshman, he's two inches shorter than Darren Sproles. So Darren Sproles would tower over him to put that in context. He's got to work on his pass protection. No doubt being that small, he's going to have to be really exact in his fundamentals. But he did get outside. He does make people miss. He can function with an offensive line that isn't as good as you you would like. I think they're going to have to lean on Deuce pretty hard in this game. Hopefully he can hold up, stay healthy, and pass protect. Uh, and if Skylar Thompson does kind of roll out, he needs to look at tight end Briley more, more than he did in the first game. And he was clearly his favorite receiver in the first game. I'm fine with 12 catches for Briley Moore in this game because I think he's a matchup issue for anyone they might play. He's that good. Well, yeah, even if you could just get it to him within five yards of the line of scrimmage, complete the pass and, you know, use, use your passing game as sort of a controlled running game. If the, yeah. if the offensive line isn't good enough to run between the tackles and you don't have a game-breaking running back, they don't have a bruiser, they don't have a guy that you're just going to go between the tackles and say, man, look at this, you know. They've had some really good running backs in the past, but I don't see that guy right now. It's about the edges. It's about being creative with the offense. And if that means you throw to the tight end behind the line of scrimmage and let him try to run it five or six yards on first down and get a second and four, count me in. I mean, they've got to get to second and four. They've got to get to second and five or less in this game a bunch. I, I don't think it's going to be a really giant big play offense, but if they're going to move the chains, keep Oklahoma off the field, 
it has to be in a controlled passing game near the line of scrimmage. I agree with you, and they did a nice job using Sebastian Taylor on a jet sweep, throwing the ball to him. Finally, the junior at 6'4", looks like he could be a real impact, but they've got to get guys back. I mean, they have to have Joshua Youngblood back. He's dynamic in both the kicking game and and also they're going to work him in at receiver, and Wyking Gill was out. They're just not deep enough. This is Kansas State, Keats. They're not deep enough at any position uh, to sustain multiple injuries, and we see that happen. We've seen it happen throughout the career of Bill Snyder. He'd get into a season, boom, they'd have a safety go out, and the backup would get exposed. Uh, they just walk that thin line. So in a COVID environment, I would certainly take Oklahoma's backups over Kansas State's backups any day of the week just because of the depth of the recruiting, and they need to rebuild their recruiting. And just bluntly put, Coach Snyder's last three recruiting classes weren't deep enough to sustain a program, and that's the program that is now being seen by K-State fans. No, you're exactly right. And Of course, what we don't know is down the road with all these players out for Kansas State, if that means in a month, they're going to have more players available than everybody they play. I mean, that absolutely could happen. Yeah. It could sweep through other places. We don't un- we don't know the timing. Again, with this tracing, it's impossible to tell. Tracing and testing positive are two entirely different things. If you sit a kid for two weeks because of tracing right now, are you going to turn back around in a month and do that to the same kid when he never got COVID? I mean, are you really going to start doing that to players? I don't know what Kansas State's going to do, and I don't know what they're going to do at other schools, but it does look like right now Kansas State is going to sit more players and be more cautious than other schools at least at this point here in the beginning you mentioned Sebastian Taylor and I'll tell you what that is a player to me um, I'm really intrigued by this because we know that it can be difficult to score touchdowns if you don't have a great running game you get down inside the 10 or whatever I don't recall I guess that you would know so much better than me he looks way taller and a lot longer reach than any K-State receiver I can ever remember it seems to me that he is a weapon for Kansas State that they maybe have never had. And when we know in the Big 12, we know this because K-State has short corners. You know, they got some little guys out on the edges too. And I'm not talking about Oklahoma and Texas, all right? I'm talking about when you play week to week, when you go to Ames, you're playing KU, you're playing Texas Tech. A lot of times you got guys out there that are 5'9". They can fly, but they're a corner because they're fast and they're 5'9". This could become just a dominant, easy matchup for K-State against certain opponents. I, I like what I saw last week but I didn't see him completely exploited. I think there is a chance that that Taylor kid can create a matchup problem that K-State, a mismatch that I don't, and look, K-State has some great wide receivers, but I'm talking about just a flat-out mismatch that you can exploit to get first down after first down and touchdown. I'm not talking about Tyler Lockett, 50 yards downfield, gets behind everybody. That's an incredible weapon to have. He's a special player. I'm talking about a third and seven, and you just throw it over there on the outs to the, to the flag, seven yards downfield and throw it up high, and he goes up and gets it. I, I think it could be a huge mismatch this year. I agree. I think you have to maybe go back to James Terry back in 98, um, or excuse me, 2003, to to kind of understand you know what you're talking about, someone that can go up and get it. But I don't even know if James was 6'4". He was just so lanky, he looked tall. Um, and he was taller than most K-State receivers because K-State is the school of the short guy because you get what you can get. And sometimes... Uh, the compromise is height, but Sebastian is finally beginning to look like the player we expect. I think K-State's pretty good at receiver, but between Skyler missing some deep balls and his receivers like Malik Knowles dropping some balls, um, he had one spectacular catch, and then 
a drop where he didn't quite get the ball put away. The D-back did a nice job. But any of those plays, any of those deep balls hits, I think the context of the game changes. And it was just one of those days. They couldn't get the right play at the right time. Uh, and they were also being con- so conservative on offense and defense. I thought Bill Snyder was in charge again. It got to be frustrating with the runs up the middle. But you're right. They were trying to prove a point, And they proved that Arkansas State was better prepared. That's the point they ended yep. up proving. And uh and- do you put much? Do you have much concern over losing to Arkansas State and possibly getting blown out at Oklahoma? Or is this year just no. this? It's this. No. You know, I was just going to say, I've, I've talked to a bunch of people this week and last week about the loss to Arkansas State, and it, it didn't sting. They were disappointed. I mean, every K-State fan wants to win. But they're looking at it like, okay, I think we initially heard maybe 22 or 24 players were out. Then Kleiman said between 35 and 40 in some fashion were affected in that game. You can't take this stuff seriously. If K-State is going to be that adamant about doing this by the letter of the law, you can't take this season very seriously. And I do think, I instantly thought, I was watching with some friends, Fitz, and when the game was over, I said, look, we're going to laugh about this game a year from now, especially 10 years from now, when K-State is playing Arkansas State again, and they say, the last time they played was 2020 and Arkansas State won. We're all going to go, oh, yeah, that was the COVID game. You know, we're all going to look back and say that was the COVID season. Look, I don't think it hurts Chris Kleiman and his staff at all. If K-State goes 2-8 and eight this year, we know that's not what they are. He had a team last year that went 8-4 and four in the regular season and, and surprised a lot of people, and they were really good, and they beat Oklahoma, and they dominated Kansas. They did a lot of things that K-State fans wanted. Nobody is going to look at Chris Kleiman if he goes 3-7 and seven or 2-8 and eight or something this year and say, oh, boy, K-State's in trouble. They're going to go out on the recruiting trail and say, listen, we did everything right. We don't know what the other schools did. We did everything right, and we sat, guys. COVID's over. We're moving forward. Go look at what we were in 19. And I do think that's an, an absolutely fair thing to, to say to any recruit because it's the truth. And there's very little truth in recruiting. But when you can use the truth and it helps you, that's a great thing. I know the season's going to suck if your team, your chosen team, doesn't perform well. I know you always want the wins. But for a program such as Kansas State that's rebuilding the roster, or Kansas that is trying to do it with all freshmen, this is a weird blessing because all these freshmen that you're having to play are getting experience, and you know what happens next year? They're freshmen. They're still freshmen, along with your other freshmen. Uh, so you're you're going to get a lot of experience here maybe for guys, and I just wonder if there's a tipping point where if they're two and six, they don't look to Will Howard to take over more and more snaps at quarterback. They don't look to some of these redshirt and true freshmen. We're going to get you plenty of time so that you're ready for next year when you're going to be a freshman if you want to be. Uh, I think it can be a real long-term benefit to programs that are trying to retool their roster like Kansas State. Well, you mentioned the quarterback position, and that'll be an interesting decision Kleiman will have to make in season this year. He's going to have to decide – if he does that, he will have decided, look, my freshman is better next year than my 23-year-old quarterback is going to be. And that, that would say a lot about this kid. I mean, it would say a lot. Because most coaches just want an experienced quarterback that has proven that he can win some games. Skylar Thompson is that. I mean, he's, he's an experienced guy. He gets another year next year if he wants it. And he's won a lot of football games. So he ha- every coach normally loves that. If, they, if he switches and goes to the freshman quarterback in the middle of this season, he's made a decision that this player is so much better than Skylar Thompson that he's my guy next year. That will be very interesting if that occurs this season. Yeah, if you're Skylar Thompson, you don't want to get dinged and injured and have to sit out a half because if this kid 
comes in and chucks it all over the field, it's going to be hard to get back on the field. It's just the way it is. We we saw in the NFL probably with the Chargers. Um, huh. well, I was just going to say, unless you're Tyrod Taylor with Anthony Lynn, Anthony Lynn has already said Tyrod's my guy. They they go way back, and he's like, no, I'm not playing that rookie yet. Well, I don't. Tyrod Taylor had a chest injury and breathing issues. He can't come back yet. Oh. Seriously, they took him to the hospital from well, the stadium. Well, they apparently uh, punctured his lung with a needle. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's going to take you out a little bit. And what if? The, the rookie goes out there and chucks it all over the that's field right. again. Uh, that's right. I mean, then that's how you get fired as a coach. You get so hard-headed about something you'd rather lose than be wrong. Um, right. That, that gets you into trouble real fast. Yeah. Keats, sure. I've been saying this, and I think you probably agree, but uh, I'm going to put this out there. At the end of the season, if we get to an end, um, that makes sense, like with a national championship – there will only be one program that looks at 2020 as a real season, and that's the one that hangs the banner. The rest of them will say, ah, it was COVID. Yeah, we would have won the national title, but we had COVID. <laughs> well, there's pockets of that probably. Like the winner of the Oklahoma-Texas game will say it's a real season no matter what. Right. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, there, there's so, the KUK State winner will say it's a real year. I mean, you know, come on. If K-State beats KU, they're going to say, okay, well, there was that. Um, so I guess there's little pockets of this is legitimate, but not much. And, and the Big 12 is the shining example of that. I'm telling you, the media in this country that said there shouldn't be college football, that they didn't want college football, that didn't want the NFL playing, that they just wanted COVID out there, scaring the hell out of everybody, all these people that were doing that, they're circling back on college football. It's coming. If the SEC, when they start, has the problems that the Big 12 has right now, and that is you just look out there and see Mississippi State doesn't have 35 players and they lose 52-3, to three, People are going to start being very critical of what's going on in college football, and they're going to say, it's failing. This is failing. They never should have played. Those people will be wrong. These kids can opt out and not play. They can do what they love, and that is play. Even if you only play in six games because you get contact trace, you get to play six games this year. You haven't lost any eligibility. This is a winner. The fans get to see something. If this is the worst season your team has in a long time, so be it. COVID happened. But they're playing, and this is a thousand percent better than folding up shop and saying we're a bunch of quitters and we're scared and we're not going to do it. So I think the haters in the media are circling back here in a couple of weeks. They're going to start saying college football is failing. Do not buy it, folks. Don't buy it. Yeah. Playing is better than not playing, regardless of what happens. Here. Yeah, uh, it's all fun and games when the Big 12 gets knocked around by the Sun Belt. But when Louisiana State gets swept by the Mississippi schools, uh, the you know what's going to yeah. hit the fan. And right, exactly and right. We're going to have a lot of those things going on. His name's Kevin yep. Keatsman. You can hear him at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Make sure you're subscribing to his podcast. Talks a lot about Kansas City sports, Midwest sports, a little politics. It's good stuff, Keats. How's it going with the podcast? It's going great, man. I'm actually surprised and overwhelmed. We're in week three. It's gone it's, I had no idea. You you encouraged me as much as anyone to do this. I just I just had no idea. I didn't know how many people were listening to podcasts, and I'm, I'm overwhelmed with the number of uh, listens and downloads we're getting. And I've got advertisers on board that are actually turning it into a small business. So I I sit here in my my office every day with my little dog. I'm the happiest guy in the world, man. Couldn't be going better. Thank yeah, you. and in terms of pandemic stuff, having to work at home with the dogs is is not the worst thing in the world. It really is not. Or just not going to work and working with people. That's true. <laughs> so true. Just just let me do my thing and don't distract me. It's been working out exactly. pretty well. 
Thank you, Keats. I appreciate it. And we'll be back on the PowerCat pregame podcast. We've got our analysts all ready to go as we continue to break down the game that may not be a game. Kansas State at number three, Oklahoma, Saturday in Norman. The PowerCat podcast will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. We now send it back to the PowerCat podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And now we bring in our football whiz. He covers recruiting, follows the team, is the jack of all trades for us at Go PowerCat, Mr. Ryan Wallace. Wally... Yeah, this is weird because we're taping on Wednesday. We release this on Thursday. And by the time this thing isn't even fully baked, uh, we may not have a game. But uh, we're going to proceed like we do have a game. But let's just start with that. How big of a mess is this? Trying to having Chris Kleiman try to field a team in this COVID environment when they, aside from affection, infections, they can't get enough guys cleared because they've been around infected people. Yeah, I just. I can't say enough about the job that, you know, not even just Kansas State coaching staff is doing amidst all this, but, you know, just throughout the landscape of college football, when you stop and really think about all the things that they're having to deal with, you know, making sure that players are making the right decisions, you know, on and off the field that, that will keep them healthy. Um, and then, you know, dialing it into trying to prepare for games and you're watching film, but then you're finding out that, you know, this player, isn't feeling good. And, and, you know, this test just came back in and you're, you know, you're really having to maneuver all these different chess pieces around. And at, at the end of the day, it's, it's for a season that largely, um, you know, I don't want to call it a wash, but at the same time is more for just getting guys experience and everything. I mean, it's, 
it's, it has to be just a real mind trip for these coaches this year because recruiting is different. Uh, getting players ready for Saturday is different. It is completely out of the norm. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I'm not sure a coach will ever really feel the same com- complaining about injuries again. Um, right. Because after going through injuries and COVID and just the contact tracing, which is really gobbling up rosters. I had Kevin Keatsman on in the first half of the show, and um, he's kind of like me. I know K-State's doing it right because I can look at the numbers. And I hear from the people that say, we got so many guys that might be infected that are having to sit out. It's just crippling them. I don't trust every other program's doing it as strictly as Kansas State. That, oh, your your roommate's girlfriend was over on Tuesday night, and now she's COVID and, ah, you're okay. You know, here, let's take your temperature. What's your test? Okay, you're okay. Uh, I, I think K-State's probably being by the book here, and I'm with Keats. I don't trust everyone to follow the rules. So that just puts us further under the heading of, we'll just see what happens. And, and at the end of the day, if you're 0-10 or 2-8, and 8, it really doesn't matter because your players that you want back can come back and not lose eligibility, and it might actually end up being a positive. Yeah, I mean, I know that uh, we've discussed this at length uh, over at Wabash Station, um, just about kind of how fans are interpreting this season. And it was interesting to watch the mood of the fan base change after the loss to Arkansas State. You had all the the folks that were very, you know, I'm just happy to have football, wins and losses don't matter. Um, that crowd seems to have quieted down a little bit or maybe piped up. Um, and and they're disappointed with, with the product that they're seeing. But like we've been preaching from the beginning, Fitz, it's, it, it really is just about um, getting guys' experience. Uh, I think it's tough as fans and even for us to ignore the scoreboard to a certain extent. But this is really just about – kind of seeing what you have for the future. that That's really, at, at the base, that is what this season is, is about. You're right. And uh, I, I'm going to have to check myself on occasion because uh, it's easy to be critical of guys that are put in positions that they're not prepared for. And last week it was Ryan Hennington. And bless his heart, uh, you know, he wasn't supposed to be playing this season. He was converted from quarterback or receiver and moved over to the defensive side. Jonathan Alexander was supposed to be there. He opts out. Jerron McPherson's supposed to be there. He was out last week, I think, for contact tracing. And all of a sudden, Hennington's thrown into the fire. And he wasn't ready. And we could all see he wasn't ready. And Arkansas State took advantage of him. But I'm just wanting to warn people, folks, that's going to happen all year. A guard's not going to be ready. A defensive tackle's not going to be ready. Maybe a linebacker gets thrown and they're not ready. You're going to see some young guys exposed and just accept it as a learning experience that will pay off in the future, hopefully. And I don't know yeah. what else to say. Yeah, uh, well, the good news, at least from everything that I've gathered from kind of those on the inside, is that so far K-State hasn't been struck, you know, a blow that's been so bad where, you know, for instance, you're you're having to play a defensive end and offensive tackle for a practice or something like that. It hasn't been that bad. You know, we haven't reached that type of situation yet, which is good. But at the same time, like you said, Fitz, it's still putting guys in predicaments that they really shouldn't find themselves in. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Let's turn our attention to Oklahoma, though. Uh, Spencer Rattler is pretty good. Granted, it was easy to throw the ball against a really bad Missouri State team, but... 
Uh, everything indicates he might be better than the other ones Lincoln Rally's has had. Lincoln Rally has had in Norman, and I have problems wrapping my mind around that. But the potential is there for this kid, isn't it? The potential is there. I mean, he he has all the tools and the mechanics. I, I think that you know that Baker and and Kyler had, and I, I'm not at the point yet where I want to say he's better than either of them at any one thing. Um, but he certainly fits that mold of a guy that can really, you know, um, expand plays when they break down with his feet and, and can really pass it, you know, put it on a dime. But the, the thing that I, I think we didn't get to a chance to see against Missouri state, because like you said, they were just putrid. I mean, that team was awful um, is what happens when Spencer Rattler, when things aren't going his way, when he gets flustered? Anybody who watched the show, I think it's on Netflix now, but who's watched the show QB1, um, it features high school, prominent high school quarterbacks and kind of follows them through their senior seasons. Well, Rattler was one of the guys on the, the I, I don't know if it was the last season or the season before, but um, to say he kind of has an attitude on him would be an understatement. So we, you can tell when things aren't going Spencer Rattler's way, um, they can come unraveled to a certain extent. It'll be interesting to see if K-State as a team uh, becomes the first team that, that maybe can fluster him a little bit um, because they don't have a C.D. Lamb. But this, this offensive line is very, very talented. They average 6'5", 330 pounds up front. So if you were worried about how K-State played against Arkansas State, be very worried about that defensive line against this offensive line. But largely, other than Spencer Rattler, this isn't an offense that has, you know, a, a, a true elite NFL kind of guy. I mean, they're, uh, they, they've got talent across the board, but it's, it's kind of spread out. It's a little bit more even. So it'll be up to Spencer to really kind of create things. And, and if things aren't going uh, his way where he can't, you know, just drop passes in wherever he wants, I'm curious to see how he handles that as opposed to how Baker and Kyler did. Do we know anything more about Kansas State's offensive line? Will they be back at uh, full strength, whatever that is, for this offensive line in this rebuild? Noah Johnson, um, you know, they, they just losing him was just a severe blow. You, you have your offensive center with a bunch of new linemen who's going to direct traffic, and three plays in, he's gone. That only added to the chaos. Uh, I'm not sure that elbow is going to be ready to go, but, you know, I – do you have any word on how they're sitting right now along that offensive line? You know, I don't, unfortunately. Um, I think, you know, going into the Arkansas State game, we were all worried, you know, just about what the offensive tackle situation looks like. And I think it's interesting over the last couple, you know, weeks, two weeks uh, since the game against Arkansas State, now you, you really start to focus in on it. can Noah Johnson go? Because we figured out, um, how much of a linchpin he is to this entire offensive unit. Uh, he, uh, his communication from the inside out and, you know, being able to, to, you know, signal stuff from what he sees from, from a defense and um, the rapport that he has with Skylar Thompson, that clearly is maybe more significant than we gave it credit for, um, for a guy that, that hasn't really started before the Arkansas state game. So you hope that Noah Johnson can come back. I thought he was much better than both Ben Adler and Hayden Gillum, who came in to, to be backups when he went down. But um, I, the thing that I'm most con most concerned about from K-State's offensive line moving forward as we look ahead at this game in Norman 
is again another odd man odd man front because Alex Grinch, the defense coordinator, runs that base three four defense, but it's all about kind of how he disguises things and um, he likes to get his athletes moving, you know, and, and will dial up and manufacture things because, again, just like I was saying with the Oklahoma offense, there aren't a lot of dudes on this Oklahoma defense. Um, you know, the fact that, that they're playing without um, one of their stars and Ronnie Perkins at VN doesn't help, but, you know, they've got guys, and, I mean, the recruiting rankings will tell you they have athletes all over the place, but they don't have – that one star, those those old Bob Stoops Oklahoma teams of old that had a literally a guy that could win every one-on-one battle as you go down the depth chart. They don't really have one of those guys, but they're good all over the place, and that's all Alex Grinch wants because he's preaching the speed defense. They're trying to get to 26 turnovers. They had two last week. So it's all about just kind of dialing up stuff and manufacturing pressure with uh, their ability to put athletes in pursuit. So – I'm more concerned about can Kansas State's offensive line recognize stuff and pick up stuff, um, regardless of who's in there, to be honest. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I, I'm curious to see what the schematics of this game are. How does Courtney Messingham call this game? He did a brilliant job against Oklahoma last year. Uh, and does Joe Klanderman become more aggressive like we expected because they weren't aggressive against Arkansas State, they were pretty bland on both sides of the ball. Um, They can't be bland. They're going to have to run a lot of screens, short passes, misdirection against this Oklahoma team, and defensively they're going to have to take chances because not taking chances didn't work against Arkansas State. They put up 35, you know, and and that's just way too many points in any game. But against a Sunbelt team, you give up 35, you probably deserve to lose, and that's what Kansas State did. Well, they got to open it up. I don't know that – why not? You're playing with some backups. Just open it up and have fun. Yeah, I think, you know, from opening it up standpoint, I thought Courtney Messingham for uh, roughly three quarters um, and given all the, you know, things that he was having to deal with against Arkansas State that we've already alluded to, I thought he called a pretty good game for about three three quarters. Um, and then things started to unravel a little bit. Um, but defensively, I'm really curious to see how Joe Klanderman decides to game plan this particular game with the Sooners, because like you're saying, Fitz, and I agree with you on one hand, no one, if, if this season is all about figuring out kind of what you have for the future, you also kind of want to see what these opponents in the big 12 have for the future. Well, let's figure out what makes Spencer Rattler tick. Well, the only way you can find that out is you're going to have to figure out, you know, we're going to have to dial up some more pressure than maybe we're, I'd like to, speaking as, as if I'm Joe Klanderman. Or, you know, or do you sit back and see if Spencer Rattler is really good enough to pick you apart? I mean, I think there'll be kind of some rotating, some different um, schemes and styles in throughout this game because at the end of the day, and I know fans don't want to hear this, and I know Joe Klanderman, Chris Kleiman would, wouldn't say this publicly, but you don't have anything to lose. You know, this is really kind of a test run to see what's going to, how you can play against Oklahoma moving forward, what they have, what, what works, you know, all those sorts of things. So I I'm with you Fitz. I think if I'm Joe Klanderman, I just experiment, you know, and, and figure out what works with the guys that I have on the field and figure out what frustrates Oklahoma and then use that in the future, regardless of what, what it matters on Saturday on a scoreboard. 
Thank you, Ryan Wallace. Much appreciated. Now let's bring in Brian Hanley, our football analyst, former Kansas State offensive line, going back to the the 90s, which means he's old. Uh, Brian, uh, how much progress can be made with improving an offensive line over a two-week period? Because I don't think it's enough to help Kansas State. I don't know that it's enough, but it's it's enough to put on a better performance than what they did against Arkansas State. Um, just having the extra practice time that they just didn't have is going to help. So they're going to look better. Is it going to be enough? I don't know because, I mean, we, we got to be honest with ourselves when we're talking about this stuff. They look really, really bad. Yeah. And so, but you can get better. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you can get better with practice time. You can get better. Now, is it going to be enough to make a huge difference? I don't know, but they can at least look better. There can be wins. There can be plays. There can be drives, you know. And all it takes for especially young kids to get some confidence, you know, but there also comes a talent level. And a lot of times talent wins regardless. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but you can, they can get better, but I don't know if it's going to be enough for us to, to look good. Probably the most significant upset of the t- 2019 season was Kansas state beating Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma was the only team in the playoff with a, a loss heading into the playoffs. Does that mean a damn thing heading into Norman or is it just a th- something that happened last year? And this is a different season in a different place with different teams. Well, it could mean it depends on who you have coming back. It can mean a lot if we had a lot of guys that had played in the game, that were had a lot of success in the game. But a lot of that had to do with our offensive line. None of those guys are here anymore. And on the defensive side of the ball, while we did win the game, at the end of the game, we almost gave it away. <laughs> so, I mean, they were just doing wind sprints up and down the field, basically the last six minutes of that football game. So, uh, but then again, they don't have some of those guys. So I don't know that it means a whole lot from what happened last year. It's a different year. Uh, definitely different circumstances, Jimmy at Christmas, just for what's going on in the world. So I think it's just an opportunity to play football. And I don't think, I mean, it's, I think that the meaning this year, maybe other years it would mean more or less different years. But this year, I think everybody's just, hey, we can go play a football game. So let's just go play a football game. Right. You, you literally don't know who you're going to be playing that game with. That's right. That's I mean, right. It's craziness <laughs> right now. But one of those players that did play with Skylar Thompson, he did play pretty well last year. Uh, for a guy who, uh, I, I don't want to say he has flagging confidence at times because he always seems confident. He just doesn't execute very well at times that has to help him knowing that he does have a win in his back pocket against a really good Oklahoma team got to give him some confidence because again that was one of the games that he did play well we just got to see it we just got to see more got to see more it's going to be tough because although in college football a quarterback can win you football games almost single-handedly the key to that is almost you still have to have help and the offensive line is going to have to help you, you know, so just help you do what you do. So, but I do believe that just having that win and seeing success, it, it, it can't hurt. 
it absolutely can't hurt. What things can offensive coordinator Courtney Messingham and offensive line coach Connor Riley do to help this offensive line, to help it get some confidence, have some more success, help the team move the ball against a defense that will be much better than what they faced against Arkansas State? Unpredictability. Just be unpredictable. Just run out of passing formations, pass out of running formations. Don't run the same plays over and over and then get into some different formations and then run the same plays over and over. You know, you just got to be unpredictable. That's what's going to help. I I don't like trick plays because, you know, trick plays, they may work, they may not. I I think you can only do so many. So you just got to be unpredictable. That's what's going to help everybody on offense. It's just going to help them because they're going to have more talent than we do, but they always have more talent than we do. But what has won us games in the past by beating them is one be more physical. I don't know that that's going to be the case this time, but just be unpredictable. Be unpredictable. Keep them off guard. You know, like I said, run on passing downs, pass on running downs, you know, all different types of formations. Don't do the same thing twice, but then line up in a whole bunch of different formations, maybe one time, and then run the same play. Just you got to do a bunch of different things to just trick them into, you know, not knowing what's coming because that's possible. That's that's possible, and that's what we're going to have to do. For a program like Kansas State, you're right. You don't have as much overall talent as an opposing team, but uh, a lesson learned from the Bill Snyder years that I, I recognized in the first year of Chris Kleiman, too, was when you got a horse, you ride it, and they seem yes. to have a couple here with running back Deuce Vaughn, who I think will probably play significantly more in this game, and tight end Briley Moore, who uh, the temptation would be to leave him in the block to help that offensive line, but I feel like he's a great release valve for pressure to kind of keep that defense a little more honest. Throwing throw a screenplay to, to Vaughn into some open space and getting Briley Moore for those five to seven yard pickups seem to be a way to loosen up this defense. Well, and that's exactly right, Tim. Another way, quick, quick drops. You know, if you're going to throw the ball, don't have five and seven drops all the time. Make it a quick passing game. Quick passing game is basically an outside running game. Just get three step drops. You can hit a tight end. You can hit quick slants. You can do those things that that doesn't even give them time to get there. You know, it's not like we don't have football players that can make football plays. That's not, that's a misconception. Yeah, they may have more talent, but that doesn't mean that we don't have any talent. And I think that's what, when people talk about those things, they think when you say, oh, well, they've got a ton of talent, that means the other team has no talent. Well, it doesn't mean that. It just may mean collectively they don't have more. We've got talented football players. We just got to get the balls, the ball in their hands and let them make plays. The quick game, throw to the tight end quick, split them out wide. You can't keep them in the block because he's one of our better weapons. We're going to have to figure that out. That's, that's, that's just the way that it has to, is going to have to work off of the line is just going to have to do their job, but they can. If again, you keep them off guard, if you set them up for success, they'll have a better chance of succeeding versus letting them do or making them do things that they're not as good at doing. Correct. Correct. Brian, does K-State have a legitimate shot here? I mean, uh, I'll say, I'll just put it this way. I think ones against ones, Kansas State can win games. 
twos against twos with a program like Oklahoma, their twos are going to be a lot better because they might be young, but they're five-star young. Uh, that's right. And uh, that's that's where I'm get I get concerned really. I I think when you get down into the depth chart, you scoop down into the bottom of that the barrel there, you're you're going to find some weaknesses in K-State. We saw Arkansas State take advantage of that. If that gets exposed early against Oklahoma, it's really going to be a long day, isn't it? Well, it's, I mean, it's like you said, yes, K-State, one for one, they're going to be there. I mean, we're, I mean, again, we're a Big 12 program, so we're going to have starters that are capable of starting anywhere. But when you get into the depth, you know, you get down into the two deep, the three deep, that's where it's always separated itself. It's not just now. It's always been that way for at least the last 15 years. We just have to find ways to be able to move the football and to be able to stop them, more importantly. I don't know. I mean, Oklahoma always has an offensive line that can always do a lot. I mean, they keep sending guys to the pros, and they're not going to the pros just to sit on the bench either. I mean, they got guys that that are playing just like Kansas State does too. But it's it's going to be difficult, Tim. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I saw them play two weeks ago. They got another quarterback that can do it all. And this guy's a redshirt from, like, they just keep plucking them out. I mean, I just, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. Impossible? No. But, I mean, it's, it's going to be difficult. Well, I was not overwhelmed by the – Scheme calling of Joe Klanderman in his debut as defensive coordinator, but he has an opportunity here with uh, for redemption because if he can throw different looks at Spencer Rattler, that quarterback, and confuse him and frustrate him, which is something that our Ryan Wallace pointed out before you, that he can kind of lose his cool, uh, that's really one of the biggest keys for me in this game is to get Rattler out of his comfort zone because he's never really been challenged in the college football game. That is correct. It seemed like we just decided that we were going to just be vanilla against Arkansas State no matter what, and it came back to bite us. We've got to mix it up. We've got to. There's got to be times where we bring seven guys or we bring eight guys. I mean, we got to do something extraordinary to win the game. Let's just be honest. We got to do something special, something different, something they haven't seen. And you're right. Confuse the young guy, confusing, getting frustrated. You know, we've just got to do those kinds of things to go win a football game. We can't just sit back and cover two and think that we're just going to win and overpower them because that's not going to happen. That literally is not going to happen. So we've got to do things that are going to be a lot different to go and win this game. Very good. His name is Brian Hanley. He will rejoin me Saturday after K-State plays Oklahoma. And he, unlike hopefully Spencer Rattler, is never confused. (laughs) Never confused. Thanks, buddy. I'll talk to you on Saturday afternoon. All righty. Thank you. Thank you, Brian Hanley. And now we bring in little Kelly Stewart, the perfect compliment to follow a giant offensive lineman. Uh, speaking of giant, uh, Kelly, you tweeted me as soon as the line came out. Uh, it started at Oklahoma minus 28. Has it moved to 29? I mean, how? How? It actually didn't. It moved to 27 and a half, Tim. Okay. And then I was kicking myself. I, I thought this was going to be all Oklahoma money, and it is. All Oklahoma money, but some of the respected guys, uh, it was Circus Sportsbook that had the early releases that I tagged you, and I said, yikes, 
They bet K-State. Uh, I'm a little nervous here. Listen, we spoke about K-State versus Arkansas State. And this was at a point where the line just gets a little too high. And I didn't come back on Arkansas State like I probably should have. There was a nice four-point middle there. And, you know, I was super busy that that first Saturday. It was 21-7 K-State. And I started doing some other things that I had to get done. This wasn't a, a game that I had a, a ton of interest in outside of a fan perspective. And when I was getting texts late in the fourth quarter, I turned it back on and said, what the hell happened? This is a K-State team that is young. They have a lot of work to do, especially on the offensive line. The defensive side of the ball couldn't get a stop. This is an Oklahoma team that is very talented per usual. We know that Lincoln Riley doesn't rebuild. He just reloads. Um, they've got some injuries, right? There's a lot of question marks for Oklahoma on Saturday. Is this line too high? Sure it is. Um, but this is a, this is Oklahoma team. I'm not sure I'm ready to step in front of yet just yet. They were 47 and a half point favorites in their last game. They won 48 to nothing. This is a, this is a game I could easily see 32, 17, 35, 21. I do think K-State will hang in there. Uh, I just am afraid it might get away from them late. If, if you like K-State, I think the play is going to be in the first half. If, if K-State and uh, some of the rumors I keep hearing about COVID testing, contract tracing, if they're going to let everybody play, and that's that's kind of the new normal when trying to handicap college football. Luckily for me, the NFL has been has been fairly uh, fairly okay as far as their testing and uh, false negatives and things like that. But man, the the Big Twelve and some college football teams not doing so well, particularly Baylor last weekend, maybe K State this weekend. Well, I know this. Uh, it's a tough matchup for K-State under normal circumstances. But if you get into K-State's backups against Oklahoma starters, that's where the line kind of makes sense to me because that could happen. We certainly saw it in the secondary against Arkansas State. Hell, that secondary couldn't match up to Arkansas State, let alone Spencer Rattler and company with uh, the Sooners. This, this could get out of hand, but um, – you're right. K-State does typically play this game closer than people perceive, and that might well happen in Norman. You know, and, and it could. And last year I had K-State plus 21 and a half. K-State basically won that wire to wire, at least against the spread. They got that plus 1,100 cash for me. Something that could motivate the Sooners here is remembering that loss. They could blow K-State out. I, I just think that – with some new starters on offense for Oklahoma and, you know, just having one game against the FCS opponent under their belt. Listen, this is the, the line definitely says take K state again, though. I'm just a little bit nervous. This, this wildcat squad has had to overcome a lot of obstacles on and off the field this year. The, the one thing with Oklahoma, uh, excuse me, with Arkansas state, was that they had a game under their belt. And we saw that yeah. with teams that had a game under their belt, when playing other opponents, did a lot better. They're, these teams haven't had a ton of practice. They didn't get to have a bunch of walkthroughs. There was so much uncertainty um, and things up for grabs that I probably should have taken Arkansas State there, at least in the second half. Those type of things tend to kind of uh, play out a little bit differently in my head. But mathematically, 
I think K-State's the play here, and uh, I'll be I'll be apprehensive the entire game. I'll leave it at that. And that brings us to the rest of the Big 12 because you mentioned teams that have played against teams that haven't played. You have Kansas, which played technically. They did compete in a football game. <laughs> uh, they didn't compete very well, but they do go to Baylor, uh, a program with a first-year head coach that lost most of spring. That has now had two misfires on potential games, including right up to the wire last week with Houston before it was canceled. Does Kansas at minus 17 have a chance to go to Waco and and cover that? And I'm you not know, saying win, cover. I don't think you have the chance to win it here. I, I was on Coastal Carolina. We spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. You're right, though. Baylor. I was on Houston last week because Baylor had yet to play a game. This Baylor team is young. This Baylor team has all new coaching staff. They have a lot to deal with here as far as adversity goes. I think this is KU. Take them plus 17 and a half or pass. Everybody's going to want to bet against KU here. And don't get me wrong. I would not be in the slightest bit surprised for to see KU below this one in the fourth quarter against the spread and completely uh, piss me off. beyond belief but mathematically this is too many points i agree iowa state is 0-1 they kind of stunk it up in their opener against louisiana going to tcu which also has not logged a game and tcu has uncertainty a quarterback and iowa state is a road favorite i find this iowa state is a road favorite that was shocking to me to see as well uh i was on ull i said i told everybody bet them on the money line That was the only highlight of that Saturday pretty much for me outside of KU losing as far as K-State goes. The the Big 12 really stunk it up this first couple of weeks here. Uh, I lean Iowa State. I'm not exactly ready to uh, go to the window there. I do think this – I have them as a three-point favorite, so a a two-and-a-half. You can you can make a case for that side, but for me, I think this is going to be a stay away. You're right with TCU. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns, no game under their belts. While I do think that they have the coaching edge, no disrespect to Matt Campbell, uh, I lean Iowa State here. Okay, we got Texas going into Lubbock as a big road favorite, a significant road favorite, and why not? Texas Tech barely beat Houston Baptist. Last time around in Houston Baptist, of course, and I just love this, has a CVS pharmacy within feet of one of their sidelines. That's how dinky <laughs> their football stadium is. Texas, I'm showing an 18-point favorite in Lubbock. I take the Longhorns on that. Of course. How could you take Texas Tech? They looked awful yeah. on defense. Awful. And here's this Texas team who, in theory, should cover this one easy. I think the line's too high. I know that sounds crazy. I'm not saying I'm going to get to the window with Texas Tech, but don't be surprised if the Longhorns get a little cocky in Lubbock. I made this game 13. Mm. So at 18, it should be a play for me. I may get there. It, it it's it's scary and you're right I, I took i think 39 and a half with houston baptist someone texted me and i said okay fine i'll take it i didn't even look at the game uh respected person and uh i, I was shocked at how terrible texas tech looked i think we need to not look at the one game sample size but we have to take a step back and say okay does texas really care here what does texas bring to the table and who does Texas Tech 
and Texas the next week. Just because Texas was able to blow out UTEP doesn't mean Texas is back. No, no, UTEP's just not very good. Uh, and one of my favorite games this weekend, the 2:30 ABC game. West Virginia visits Oklahoma State. They're both mighty at one and zero. Although West Virginia beat Eastern Kentucky, Oklahoma State limped past Tulsa. I really don't know who's going to win this. I would. Looks like Oklahoma State's about a touchdown favorite at home, and I guess I would lean on the Cowboys. But uh, it's just such a weird year. I don't know if West Virginia is legit or not. So I don't think West Virginia is necessarily legit here. This one has seen some reverse live move. It opened 10, now down to 7. I was on Tulsa last week. I told everybody that was the only game I was playing just because the Houston-Baylor game got canceled, and I just didn't have a great feel on the college card. I was happy. Thank you, Oklahoma State, for having an absolute stinker with uh, an in-state opponent. It was great. Look, Oklahoma State is, is my pick to win the Big 12. I, I don't want to pick Texas. I don't want to pick Oklahoma. I needed somebody with a little bit uh, better odds. And so I went with the Cowboys. And was I shocked to see the Cowboys stink it up that bad? No, I wasn't. Because, again, without practice, without games under their belt, these type of teams tend to need a couple of weeks to get their offense going. West Virginia is, like, as you mentioned, is 1-0. Yay. They, they won their season over against Eastern Kentucky. They had a great rushing day, a couple of touchdowns. Their quarterback looked pretty good. What's his name, Jarrett? Uh, can't Deggie. ever pronounce his last name. Deggie, thank yep. you. It, listen, he had a good game. But, of course, it's Eastern Kentucky. I think we need to not buy into too much to these one-game sample sizes. Tim, I'm with you. I, I like Oklahoma State here with the touchdown. It's a weird weekend. It's opening weekend for Big 12 play. Two games in Oklahoma, three games in Texas. I just find that a little strange that only well, Texas you, is the only southern team to have to go on the road, and that's to Texas Tech. Yeah, I think also maybe geographically they planned it that way based on which states are more open and are going to allow fans. And uh, I don't know if it was planned that way or not, but it is, it is going to be interesting that all of the Big 12 games are only played in two states. How hesitant are you to get to the window on college games right now with this COVID, you not knowing who's playing or not, and they're being very secretive about the total numbers of guys out? It's got to add in a layer of uncertainty that you're just not used to. Oh, absolutely. Listen, college football is my bread and butter. Am I super happy that we even have college football? Yes. Uh, normally I'd be betting these games earlier in the week, looking to get the best of the number. As I mentioned with K-State, I was surprised to see money come in on K-State. But this is, uh, this is difficult, Tim. I mean, I've got seven or eight games circled for this week. I'm hoping none of them get canceled, unlike last week and the week prior. But if they do, it's one of those things where you got to go take your ticket and get your refund. Or if you're lucky enough to be able to bet online or on an app, uh, you get to Tuesday and then they'll, re- they'll refund you because the games have to be played within a certain number of days. But, yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty here. And it is, it is trying. And, and even just in the NFL, right, we know that home field advantage basically means nothing if there's no fans there, but that team didn't have to travel and that team didn't have to stay in a hotel. And that team has familiarity with the stadium. There's, there's a lot of things that you can buy into, but I think it's, I think it's best to make smarter decisions in terms of get all of the information you can get before you make a wager, right? You don't want to wait till the last possible minute because then the lines are stale, but you also don't want to end up with three or four 
tickets with bad numbers because now all of a sudden, you know, let's just say, let's say I, I take K-State, it goes back to 28, I take him plus 28 and a half, and all of a sudden six starters are named out. We know that's going to 31. And at that point in time, do you feel comfortable holding that ticket? I, I joked last weekend with my Broncos plus seven and a half ticket. Wait a minute. Oh, and my Justin Herbert ticket plus nine and a half versus the Chiefs. I said, wait a minute. I didn't know I was wagering on Justin Herbert. <laughs> and was he was he able to get the job done for me? Absolutely. Uh, was Jeff Driscoll for the Broncos able to get it done? Sure. But those things, because those those quarterbacks are very close in comparison. But if Skylar Thompson wasn't to play this weekend, I don't think I'd want to be making a wager on K-State. And those are kind of things that you have to know are going to come with the territory, unfortunately, Um, especially as we've seen injuries uh, in the NFL with no minicamp, no preseason. We're going to see the same thing, unfortunately, in college. When these kids aren't game shape ready, we're going to see more injuries. We're going to see more, unfortunately, things happen. And that was Kelly Stewart, our odds expert, as she breaks down Kansas State and the Big 12 every week as we look at the games measured against the spread, the over-under, and anything else that you might find interesting. Well, we've had our first half of the podcast with Kevin Keatsman as we look deep into this possible game with Oklahoma. We think it'll be played as scheduled, but you just never know in this COVID world. Then we moved on to the second half in our own Ryan Watt. Wallace, Brian Hanley, and Kelly Stewart broke the game down even further. This has been the PowerCat pregame podcast. Make sure you look out after the game for the postgame podcast. After Kansas State plays Oklahoma at 11 a.m. on Saturday, Brian Hanley and I will meet up once again via the internet and talk about the Cats and Sooners all on the PowerCat postgame podcast. We appreciate you listening and remember to subscribe to the PowerCat podcast so you never miss an episode we have podcasts daily throughout football exactly what k-state fans deserve power cat podcast all rights reserved gopowercat.com and spirit street publishing okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.